Good morning, and welcome to Simply Politics. It's Saturday, February 3rd. On today's show, we'll be discussing the major political parties in the Pakistan elections of 2024, as well as taking a look at the pictures that defined British politicians. Plus, we'll delve into the opinion piece on how the left became a politics of hatred against Jews. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Politics. We start off with a look at Pakistan, a nation of nearly 250 million people, as it prepares to vote in the general election on February 8th. The political climate is fluid, with a crackdown on former Prime Minister Imran Khan's party, the Pakistan Tariqa Insaf, PTI. To help us understand the major stakeholders in this election, we have Michael with us. Can you give us an overview of the major political parties in Pakistan? Certainly, David. Pakistan's political landscape is diverse, with parties spanning a spectrum of ideologies. The major parties include the Pakistan Muslim League Nawaz PMLN, PTI, Pakistan People's Party, PPP, Awami National Party, ANP, Mutahid Akami Movement Pakistan, MQM, Jamaati Islami, Jamiati Ulema Islam, JUIF, Pakhtunkhwa Mili Awami Party, Balochistan Awami Party, Awami Workers Party, AWP, Hakuk Akalk Party, Jaki, Istekame Pakistan Party, IPP, and a significant number of independent candidates. That's quite a list. Let's start with the Pakistan Muslim League, Nawaz. What can you tell us about this party? The PMLN is a centrist party led by former Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif. Despite Sharif's removal from office in 2017 due to corruption charges, the party remains a significant force. Sharif's younger brother, Shabazz Sharif, took office as prime minister in 2022 after the PMLN, as part of an alliance, toppled Khan's government. The PMLN is the clear frontrunner heading into the elections. And what about the PTI, the party of former prime minister Imran Khan? The PTI, founded by Khan, leans more to the center-right. Khan was deposed from office by a no-confidence vote in parliament the first in Pakistan's history. After his dismissal, Khan's party led demonstrations across the country, demanding early elections. However, Khan was arrested on charges of corruption and his party faced suppression. Despite these challenges, the PTI enjoys vast popular support across the country. What about the Pakistan People's Party? The center-left PPP, led by Bilawal Bhutto Zardari and his father, Asif Ali Zardari, is striving to return to power for the first time since 2008. Bhutto Zardari stands out as a young leader in a nation where the median age is 20. His manifesto and campaign are focused on connecting with the youth of the country, and he has ambitious plans to combat climate change. Can you tell us about the other parties? Sure. The Awami National Party is an ethnic Pashtun nationalist party based mainly in the northwestern province of Khyber Pakhtunkhwa. The Mutahida Kaumi movement was the most powerful political force in Karachi for nearly three decades. The Jamiati Ulema Islam, led by Fazalur Rahman, is aiming to regain lost ground, particularly in Khyber Pakhtunkhwa province. The Pakhtunkhwa Miliawami Party is a Pashtun nationalist group, mainly active in Balochistan province. The Balochistan Awami Party was formed in 2018 with current interim Prime Minister Anwar al-Haq, one of its founders. The Awami Workers' Party is a relatively newer and smaller movement campaigning on an anti-austerity plank. The Hakuke Kalk Party 
is a new entrant in the 2024 polls, fielding young candidates in PMLN strongholds in Lahore. The Estekame Pakistan Party was founded by Jahangir Tareen, a close confidant and financier of Khan in the past. And what about the independent candidates? Independent candidates, including those remaining in the PTI who have to run as independents due to legal woes afflicting the party, will also play a significant role in these polls. Some of these contestants have been part of the PTI in the past, but this time are choosing to participate on their own. Others are young, independent candidates without mainstream political affiliations. Historically, independent candidates have almost always ended up joining the party with the largest number of seats in the National Assembly. Thank you for that comprehensive overview, Michael. Now, shifting gears to another aspect of politics, let's discuss the power of political imagery. The way a leader looks, their body language, their expressions, all of these can have a profound impact on public perception. Today, we're discussing how this shapes our understanding of political figures and events. Joining us is our correspondent from Simply Politics, Celeste. So Celeste, how important are images in politics? Images play a crucial role in politics, David. They can shape public opinion, reinforce stereotypes, and even alter the course of political events. For instance, consider the 1986 photograph of Margaret Thatcher in a tank. Despite initial mockery, it reinforced her image as a strong, decisive leader. Similarly, images of Boris Johnson stuck on a zip wire or Theresa May awkwardly dancing have shaped public perceptions of these leaders. That's interesting. So these images can either enhance or damage a politician's reputation. Absolutely. Images can crystallize public opinion for better or worse. For instance, the image of David Miliband holding a banana, despite being a trivial moment, was used to portray him as a nerd, affecting his public image. On the other hand, images of leaders in moments of crisis or triumph can enhance their reputation. The image of Tobias Elwood, a junior foreign minister, attempting to save PC Keith Palmer during the 2017 terrorist attack outside the Palace of Westminster is a prime example. And how do these images influence the political narrative? Images can serve as historical essays, silently explaining or anticipating the effects of significant events. For example, the image of Neville Chamberlain brandishing the Munich Agreement of 1938 encapsulates the naivete of a British prime minister attempting to appease an unappeasable enemy. Similarly, the image of Boris Johnson and Michael Gove looking shocked at their own victory in the Brexit referendum reveals their unpreparedness for the consequences of their actions. So it seems that these images can have a lasting impact on political history. Indeed, these images often have enduring power because they capture not only the essence of an individual, but an entire era. They evoke memories, prompt recollections, and serve as a visual record of political history. Whether it's the optimism of mid-1960s Britain, represented by the Beatles alongside Harold Wilson, or the image of Rishi Sunak lighting Diwali candles in Downing Street, these images tell a story. After hearing from Simply Politics reporter Celeste about the power of political imagery, let's now turn our attention to a global debate sparked by the left's alignment with Hamas. This has led to a reevaluation of Enlightenment values in the political climate. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, Abby. Can you explain the shift in values that's being observed, particularly on the left? Certainly, David. 
there was a time when we could simultaneously hold on to a variety of values, equality and freedom, anti-racism and freedom of expression, diversity and tolerance. However, the current political climate, especially on the left, has seen a drastic shift. There's now a call to choose a camp, to make a decision between opposing values, such as the fight against Islamophobia and the fight against anti-Semitism, or between virtue signaling censorship and freedom of expression. And how does this relate to the global left's alignment with Hamas? The alignment of the global left with Hamas has been seen by some as the final evidence of its moral and intellectual bankruptcy. This has led to a reevaluation of Enlightenment values and a call for others to advance these values. The alignment has also intensified the debate between supporting the Gazan people and upholding the right of Israel to exist. Can you tell us more about the Ihara definition of anti-Semitism and the Jerusalem Declaration on Anti-Semitism and how they play into this debate? The International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, IRA, definition of anti-Semitism and the Jerusalem Declaration on Anti-Semitism are two frameworks that aim to define and combat anti-Semitism. They differ mainly in how they view criticism of Israel. The IRA definition has been criticized for potentially stifling legitimate criticism of Israel, while the Jerusalem Declaration, which I helped draft, aims to allow for such criticism. This has become another point of contention in the current political climate. Thanks for that insightful analysis, Abby. It indeed paints a complex picture of the current political landscape. Speaking of complex political issues, a federal judge in Washington has postponed Donald Trump's trial on charges of plotting to overturn the 2020 election. This comes as a key legal appeal from the former president continues to work its way through the courts. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about this development? Certainly. U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin vacated the March 4th trial date in the case brought by Justice Department Special Counsel Jack Smith. However, a new date has not been set yet. This move creates an opening for a separate case in New York, charging Trump in connection with hush money payments to adult film actor Stephanie Clifford, known as Stormy Daniels, to proceed first. What's the reason behind this postponement? The postponement is due to a pending appeal from Trump arguing that he is immune from prosecution for actions he took while in the White House. It's unclear when the three-judge panel might rule on this, but a ruling in favor of prosecutors that allows the case to move forward is expected to be appealed by the Trump team, likely resulting in additional delays. How does this affect the timing for both sides? Timing is crucial for both sides. Trump, who faces four indictments and 91 felony counts, is looking to push his criminal cases back as he enjoys front-runner status in the race for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. On the other hand, Smith's team is hoping to prosecute Trump this year before the November election. And what about the Washington case? Wasn't it expected to take place first? Yes, the Washington case was expected to take place first. However, it has been delayed for weeks by Trump's appeal on immunity grounds. The appeals court heard arguments on January 9th, and although it had said it intended to work quickly, it has not yet issued a ruling. Thanks for those insights, Bella. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Politics. We'll see you back here tomorrow.